0: Hello, and welcome to the Fisher Investments Market Insights podcast, where we discuss our firm's latest thinking on global capital markets and current events. My name is Nana Srinivas. I'm the Group Vice President of Client Communications here at the firm. And the topic of today's episode is the coronavirus and its effect on global markets. I'm going to be sharing with you some excerpts from a client webinar we hosted on Wednesday, March 18th, featuring Michael Hansen, who is the Senior Vice President of Research here at Fisher Investments and a member of our Investment Policy Committee. You'll hear Michael talk about our most current thinking on how markets are reacting to the coronavirus and where we think markets in the global economy go from here. Please enjoy.
1: This market has been unprecedented in a variety of ways. Uh, We were at all-time highs just a month ago approximately and now uh, we find ourselves in this moment. The market has behaved, though it seems and feels so different than anything else that's ever happened, in fact, the market behavior has behaved very much like certain types of very large corrections have. This one, of course, has been bigger and larger, but a lot of the characteristics of it have been similar. I think that at this point it's absolutely fair to call this a bear market, but one of the things that we need to keep our eyes on the most is not just magnitude, because what'll be eye-popping and what everyone will focus on is magnitude, but in fact it's the duration of these events that matter the most from here. We're also gonna talk a lot though about the response to the virus. And this is another key area where there's gonna be a huge amount of emotion and disagreement. But it is our view that the response to the virus is in fact the thing that could create the economic uh, malaise, recession, whatever might be in the fore. I don't think recession is necessarily a foregone conclusion as most do, but I think it's certainly on the table and it's certainly possible. We'll talk through all of that. But regardless of your feelings on how the reaction has been, both by the government, uh, on the government level and on the institutional level, they are what they are. These things are happening and we need to analyze them and that's what I'm going to be focused on today. So far this fall has had all the characteristics of a classic correction. And when I say correction, here's the distinction that I mean. In full-form traditional bear markets, at least as we have observed them all over the course of history, they tend to have rolling tops followed by capitulation towards the end. Most of them have recession ensuing and so forth. Corrections, on the other hand, are steep, sharp drops that tend to dissipate and, and correct themselves with about the same speed as the fall. Now, despite this being such a breathtaking fall, in fact, most of the characteristics of this fit the definition of a correction versus a bear. But I think in magnitude alone, most will call this a bear. And I think that's fair to do. But I go back to the duration question. Bear markets have long duration. That's one of the really key features about them. They tend to last 15 to 18 months on average. That being the case, and seeing how much of negativity has already been priced into the market, in some ways, It's very hard to envision how, looking forward 12 months, we can't see a spring back in prices. But whatever you want to call this, in the short term from here, I'm just going to tell you anything can happen. I mean, at this point, anything has happened in a lot of ways, and you should be emotionally prepared for that. If you think back to times in your past, which you can remember, times like 9-11, times like 2008, Even if you go back to the fourth quarter of 2018, which was a very negative single quarter uh, for the market, you've seen this sort of thing before. You've actually felt this kind of emotion before, even though it seems unprecedented. But as we look out ahead six, nine, 12 months into the future, we believe stock prices will eventually not only be higher, but significantly higher and correcting for what we believe has been certainly a very negative event, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There are negative things happening in the world today in real time, but it's a question of whether there's been an overreaction to that, what the reality will be, and so forth. Very importantly, and this is hallmark to all investing, it is not different today than it was before. There will be no all clear sign. There will not be a signal of any kind that tells you it's time for the market to go up. In fact, quite the opposite. The market moves ahead of things and the market in this case moved well ahead and nearly instantaneous to a threat in our view that materialized very, very quickly. But there can be huge overreactions and so forth. The news will continue to look bad even as the market starts its consolidation and rallying process. And in fact, that can happen quickly. Right now, people are contemplating future bad news. As news becomes better than they expect in the future, which I believe to be the most likely outcome, shares can rise very quickly. And though that might seem impossible today, I understand the feeling entirely, how impossible that feels. See if you can remember back to times in the past where you felt similarly, and yet people go on, markets go on, economies go on. The summation of everything I just said is, as is so often the case with markets, especially in times like these, the hardest thing to do is the thing that you must do, which is to have patience. Now for a moment though, I'd just like to tell you some real things that are happening because while it's not going to be a perfect analogy, I do wanna just share with you a little bit about what's happened so far in China. One very interesting feature and something we are keeping an exceptionally close eye on is that this has been true with China. We'll see if it's true elsewhere. When China's active cases peaked, And started to fall, their market started to outperform markedly in the last several weeks. Will that repeat itself across the world? It very well could. We're going to watch it very closely. But nevertheless I think the thing that's most important is China's experience with this, and again we can debate about how that went, the differences in the countries, and all the different methods, but the simple reality is China is about 90 percent back online and I would like to point out to you that 90% of companies with revenue greater than $200 in yuan are back up and running. And there's verification of this all across the world, including journalists, not just folks in China and so forth. It's a real effect. It's something that seems to have lasted for several months. And it had a real effect on the economy. I mean, there is negative numbers in China today. And I think it's a very good lesson because what I mentioned to you before is that the market will move up faster and above news getting better, while China's negative economic news is just now coming out and yet their stock market has rebounded faster, at least relative to the rest of the world. Okay, next I want to turn my attention for a few minutes on what the response has been because I've spoken so much about what the response is and and how that matters most, so let's talk about it. I hope you can just get a sense at the huge wall of fiscal and monetary stimulus that is about to hit the economies of the world. Now, before we get excited about that, We at Fisher Investments have never believed that you need some new government program to come in and, and quote-unquote, save the economy or the market, that those things do have the ability to right themselves. They have in the past. There's really no reason this would be different in a variety of ways, although I admit to you that this situation is exceptional. And, And I think the irony of all this is that most of these stimulus measures will, in fact, start hitting the economy after it has started to recover. And so what tends to happen in these situations is It doesn't really help the bad part, but as the good part starts, it supercharges it a little bit. Will all of this money be spent wisely? Of course not, but some of it will. And it will be a tailwind for the economy as it hits. And the point that I think is really worth making the most now is that we're not talking about small potatoes anymore. Um, Economies, as of the last 48 hours, have really, global economies, but specifically the U.S. and others, are really talking about big stimulus measures in relationship to their GDP. Again, they'll take time. They won't be as effective as people think. And we wish most of it were not not necessary at all, but nevertheless, that's going to happen. It's worth noting, though, that every just about every time uh, the Fed tries to do something, the central banks try to do something, that, in fact, the market falls more because in a certain odd way, people tend to interpret emergency actions as a bad thing because they say to themselves, well, what do those people know that others don't? And the answer to that is they probably don't know much. They're probably reacting in the same way so many others are. Um, there's, not, there's not so much special privileged information in those realms that, tell, that, that they know exactly what happens from here. They're people just like we are trying to make difficult decisions. So with that context, this is the part that I believe really matters the most to what happens with the market and what happens with the economy. The difference between past episodes such as these and the one we see now has been the response from governments and private institutions closing much of the service-based economy in a mass sense. It's an exceptionally bad thing. And here's what the important sort of pivot point is. And when I say a bad thing, I'm not saying it's not necessarily warranted. You might have an opinion on that. You might think it's the right thing to do. My statement is, regardless of whether you think it's the right thing to do, it has a significant negative economic consequence. That's what the capital markets are reacting to. In situations like this, which we don't know a lot about because there's not very much evidence of having widespread economic shutdowns uh, over the course of global economies, you can make a few statements. And this is, again, what I believe is most important. If it lasts for a few weeks and maybe even just a few months, the economy can largely right itself and come back online. In that situation, we probably have maybe not a recession at all or maybe a shallow recession globally. Most people will be able to go back to work as they did before, and life will be changed without a doubt because I think this has certainly taken an emotional toll on everyone, but largely things will be similar. If, however, such a shutdown persists for many months, and I can't give you a firm number, you just just can't think about that right now, there's too much to extrapolate, but if it lasts longer than, let's say, a quarter, I'm just going to put that number out there, If it lasts longer than a quarter, then things get bad quickly. And the reason for that is an economy can withstand some dislocation in the short term. But if you have to shutter a lot of operations for, let's say, three months, six months, something like that, then a lot of those companies that could tread water for a little while, in fact, no longer tread water, and they'll have to shutter. That's where you get a true recession, a deep recession, and you have to get a new bull market and new expansion out of that because people can't just go back to work the same way they did. A lot of organizations won't exist anymore, so instead, you have to build something new. Now, I don't want to paint too dire a picture here. I don't want to make that sound too dire, but we want to contemplate those things. It's important. We do believe that's a low likelihood, but in our view, it's likely, very likely, that this persists for well less than three months, but we'll have to monitor the situation, and it's something that's very fluid. Some narrow industries are going to be hurt, and you need to be able to watch for that and see it without too much emotion. In times like these, certain small sectors and industries, in particular some of the smaller energy companies in the United States that are low-margin producers of oil, they're going to be hurt. They're going to be hurt along with oil prices and so forth. That doesn't necessarily mean the entire system is, is cracking, but in such situations, certain industries can be hurt more than others. We want you to expect you to see that. One last part on the stimulus and about the system in general, because in the last several weeks, we've had a few haltings of trades, uh, of trading activity, and all sorts of other systemic market measures spoken about by the Fed, things that were brought out in 2008 for the crisis then are being brought out now. What does all of that mean? Well, surely some of it will help uh, to keep some institutions and other places solvent and uh, in place through this time. But for the most part, and we've said this now for some years, The very big banks of the world are in fact very well capitalized. And for this situation, they are in an okay position, much better than they have been really for many years. And with the additional provisions of lifting of certain uh, capital buffers that they have to keep from the Fed or other liquidity provisions, they really are at this moment in very good shape systemically. I'm gonna tell you something else though that's a little pessimistic. That will be true almost certainly in the short run. If this continues to persist for many months, systemic problems can once again reemerge themselves. And in fact, central banks can't necessarily fix everything. And so this, again, is where I come back to the idea. It's not about magnitude. It's about duration. This is all about duration, whether it's the market or the economy today. As you look for news and things to be optimistic about over the course of the next days, one of the things that I hope you consider is that The economy will come back online, but it won't do so all at once. It'll probably happen in waves. For example, businesses such as Fisher Investments. We continue to take not only our client health and financial health of the utmost seriousness, but also the health of our employees. So we've instituted measures to be safe while continuing to provide the absolute best service that's possible. Companies all over the world are going to start doing that, and it's not going to be in any headlines. What you're going to see is slowly, after some weeks, 50% capacity, 75% capacity. The next thing you know that what's regarded as major businesses and services, not just critical ones, are largely back online. What my best guess is, is that in fact, public institutions and especially schools will be some of the last to come online. But my point to you is that don't expect an all clear signal. This'll happen in waves and some of it will sneak up on people. They won't see how much activity has really come back after um, likely just a few weeks or a month. I'm going to make this statement because I think it's important for our client base and this is per the CDC. There is an increase in risk to older adults and I think that's especially important because what the CDC says, and I believe this to be true, is that something like forty percent of grandparents in the United States in the United States provide childcare for their grandchildren. And I want to say that just in the sense that please be careful if you are an, at- an at-risk category. We want you to take that very seriously. But beyond that, and especially those of you who have seen some of these things in the past. I really want you to think back to the times you felt the worst in your life about society and, and how civilization is going. And, and I hate to do that to you, but I want to do it to you. Communities all over the world and for as long as we've had civilization have learned to live with existential threat. We have lived through natural disasters of all kinds. Generations have lived with the threat of nuclear war. 9-11 brought tremendous hysteria, threats of anthrax, etc. for a period of weeks. There's been measles, smallpox, SARS, and all the rest. Maybe this one is different, it could be, but I believe truly that human communities come together very well against a common enemy, and this is a common enemy, and it's one in fact that can be uh, defeated. Markets will learn how to live with viruses too. What my belief is is that we're about to see a very real form, uh, mass adaptation, perhaps at scale larger than we've ever seen the human community do. There's going to be trillions of dollars thrown at mass sanitation and other measures to, 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 uh, improve public welfare. Right now, there are probably thousands of kids who are probably not even in college classes right now, thinking about how they can make some kind of application so that you can test yourself in real time and get all sorts of new data. There's all sorts of new good things coming for society, and those are just a couple of examples. I also want you to notice just how well things like infrastructure have held up in the last several weeks. Uh, With effectively half the world at home or or more, internet infrastructure has worked remarkably well. And I think that's something that's really worth saying because perhaps 10 years ago it may not have been the same. Think about companies and their social value like Walmart and Amazon and how their impressive, amazing world-class distribution systems are now going to help millions of people as they have to stay at home for a while you may have seen the headline of Amazon hiring effective immediately 100,000 people in order to fill demand. What's really happening in my mind, especially as you look at some things like people going and buying toilet paper and all that sort of thing, some of that is true panic. I'm not going to deny that. But for the most part, most people are acting really quite rationally. And just think of it this way. If you had the prospect of being at home for four weeks or eight weeks, whatever it's going to be, And especially if you had the prospect of your kids coming home from college, you too are very likely to go to the store and buy some more milk and eggs. Uh, I think that what the world just did was brought forward four to six weeks of basic consumption. You should be impressed by that because the system has worked remarkably well. You should also be impressed by the distribution chains are such that if there's been scarcity, it's only lasted a few hours because companies like Costco, Amazon, Walmart, actually have 24-hour distribution systems. And very importantly, and I do want you to hear this, there is no scarcity problem. This problem is not a problem of supply. It is a problem of demand. And it's likely in my mind, although this is just a speculation, that as we look forward, there's likely to be a huge overabundance of supply of basic goods because as companies react to so much purchasing right now, we may see shelves very much lined uh, into the future. Because as again... This is not a supply problem. This is a demand problem. And if we do have a recession, it will be because of a sudden drop in lack of demand. I'm not asking you to be optimistic. Everyone has their views about this. What I'm asking you to do is challenge the assumption of a truly gloomy outlook, and to see just months from now, a potentially much brighter future ahead for yourselves
0: and the entire human community. Well, that was Michael Hansen, Senior Vice President of Research at Fisher Investments, speaking on a client webinar recorded Wednesday, March 18th. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow Fisher Investments on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. And you can find our Fisher Investments channel on YouTube as well. For our latest capital markets insights, check out the Market Minder section of our website, fisherinvestments.com. We'll be back in April with our next regularly scheduled episode on tax strategies for 2020. Until then, be well. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. The content of this podcast represents the opinions and viewpoints of Fisher Investments and should not be regarded as personal investment advice. No assurances are made we will continue to hold these views, which may change at any time based on new information, analysis, or reconsideration. Copyright Fisher Investments, 2020.